Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to your email from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.45 a.m. Eastern. And today we begin a new chapter, Chapter 19, Beyond the Body. We'll be reading the introduction and Section 2, Healing and the Mind. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 213, which, like all the other lessons in this review, are wrapped in the thought, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. Today the thought we're reviewing is, all things are lessons God would have me learn. And by way of opening this morning, I found a tiny little piece. Um, from a work called Flashes, um, written by Pier Elias Amidon. The thought today being <clears throat> like this. Being here is a gift so wondrous, we can't conceive of what could have arranged it. Boundless presence shares itself with every bounded thing. That generosity is proof the universe is made of love. That boundless generosity. Amen. Okay. Yes. Oh, thank you. Here's our reading list this thank morning, you, friends. We have uh uh-huh. we have Lee. Lemoyne, Robin Marie, Jessica, Harrison, and Lana. We're joined in listening this morning by Ida, Fran, Patricia, and Kristen. Has anyone else joined the call that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning, Lori. Jew has joined you. Good morning, everyone. I'll be listening. Good morning. To you. All right. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, it's Karen, and I'll be listening also. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. Good morning, Karen. Micah and Roz. Hey. And I can read. Good morning. All righty. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, And thank you for the poem. I was away from the phone. Oh, sweet. Thank you. Uh, Anyone else? Okay, so here we go. In Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, Introduction. We said before that when a situation has been dedicated wholly to truth, peace is inevitable. Its attainment is the criterion by which the wholeness of the dedication can be safely assumed. Yet, we also said that peace without faith will never be attained. For what is wholly will never be attained, for what is wholly dedicated to truth as its only goal is brought to truth by faith. 
this faith encompasses everyone involved for only thus the situation is perceived as meaningful and as whole and everyone must be involved in it or else your faith is limited and your dedication incomplete uh, Lee. all right chapter 19 beyond the body introduction we said before that when a situation has been dedicated wholly to truth, peace is inevitable. Its attainment is the criterion by which the wholeness of the dedication can be safely assumed. Yet we also said that peace without faith will never be attained. For what is wholly dedicated to truth as its only goal is brought to truth by faith. This faith encompasses everyone involved, for only thus the situation is perceived as meaningful and as a whole. And everyone must be involved in it, or else your faith is limited and your dedication incomplete. Two, every situation properly perceived becomes an opportunity to heal the Son of God. And he is healed because you offered faith to him, giving him the Holy Spirit and releasing him from every demand your ego would make of him. Thus do you see him free. And in this vision does the Holy Spirit share. And since he shares it, he has given it, and so he heals through you. It is this joining him in a united purpose which makes this purpose real because you make it whole. And this is healing. The body is healed because you came without it and joined the mind in which all healing rests. Thank you, Lee, and Lemoyne. Okay. Every situation, properly perceived, becomes an opportunity to heal the Son of God. And he is healed because you offered faith to him, giving him to the Holy Spirit and releasing him from every demand your ego would make of him. Thus do you see him free, and in this vision does the Holy Spirit share. And since he shares it, he has given it, and so he heals through you. It is this joining him in a united purpose which makes this purpose real because you make it whole. And this is healing. The body is healed because you came without it and joined the mind in which all healing rests. Okay. Chapter 19, Section 2, Healing in the Mind. <coughs> healing and the Mind. The body cannot heal because it cannot make itself sick. It needs no healing. 
It's health or sickness depends entirely on how the mind perceives it and the purpose which the mind would use it for. <clears throat> and it is obvious that a segment of the mind can see itself as separated from the universal purpose. When this occurs, the body becomes its weapon used against this purpose to demonstrate the seeming fact that separation has occurred. <clears throat> the body thus becomes the instrument of illusion, acting accordingly, seeing what is not there, hearing what truth has never said, and behaving insanely, being imprisoned by insanity. Thank you, Lemoyne. Robin Marie. Two, healing and the mind. The body cannot heal because it cannot make itself sick. It needs no healing. Its health or sickness depends entirely on how the mind perceives it and the purpose which the mind would use it for. And it is obvious that a segment of the mind can see itself as separated from the universal purpose. When this occurs, the body becomes its weapon used against this purpose to demonstrate the fact, quote, unquote, that separation has occurred. The body thus becomes the instrument of illusion, acting accordingly, seeing what is not there, hearing what truth has never said, and behaving insanely, being imprisoned by insanity. Do not look, overlook our earlier statement that faithlessness leads straight to illusions. For faithlessness is the perception of a brother as a body, and the body cannot be used for purposes of union. If then you see your body as a body, you have established, if, you, if then you see your brother as a body, you have established a condition in which uniting with him becomes impossible. Your faithlessness to him has separated you from him and kept you both apart from being healed. Your faithlessness has thus opposed the Holy Spirit's purpose and brought illusions centered on the body to stand between you. And the body will seem to be sick, for you have made of it an quote, enemy, unquote, of healing and the opposite of truth. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Jessica. Four. Do not overlook our earlier statement that faithlessness leads straight to illusions. For faithlessness is the perception of a brother as a body, and the body cannot be used for purposes of union. If then you see your brother as a body, you have established a condition in which uniting with him becomes impossible. Your faithlessness to him has separated you from him and kept you both apart from being healed. Your faithlessness has thus opposed the Holy Spirit's purpose and brought illusions centered on the body to stand between you. And the body will seem to be sick, 
For you have made of it an, quote, enemy of healing and the opposite of truth. It cannot be difficult to realize that faith must be the opposite of faithlessness. Yet the difference in how they operate is less apparent, though it follows directly from the fundamental difference in what they are. Faithlessness would always limit and attack. Faith would remove all limitations and make whole. Faithlessness would destroy and separate. Faith would unite and heal. Faithlessness would interpose illusions between the Son of God and his Creator. Faith would remove all obstacles that seem to rise between them. Faithlessness is wholly dedicated to illusions. Faith wholly to truth. Partial dedication is impossible. Truth is the absence of illusion. Illusion, the absence of truth. Thank you, Jessica. And Harrison. Five. It cannot be difficult to realize that faith must be the opposite of faithlessness. Yet the difference in how they operate is less apparent. Though it follows directly from the fundamental difference in what they are. Faithlessness would always limit an attack. Faith would remove all limitations and make hope. Faithlessness would destroy and separate. Faith would unite and heal. Faithlessness would interpose illusions between the Son of God and his creator. Faith would remove all obstacles that seem to rise between them. Faithlessness is wholly dedicated to illusions. Faith wholly to truth. Partial dedication is impossible. Truth is the absence of illusion. Illusion, the absence of truth. Six, both cannot be together nor proceed in the same place. To dedicate yourself to both is to set up a goal forever impossible to attain. For part of it is sought through the body, thought of as a means for seeking out reality through attack, while the other part would heal and therefore cause upon the mind and not the body. The 
inevitable compromise is the belief that the body must be healed and not the mind. For this the body goal has given both an equal reality which could be possible only if the mind is limited to the body and divided into little parts of seeming oldness but without connection. This will not harm the body but it will keep the delusional thought system in the mind. Thank you, Harrison. And Lena. Okay. I'm just going to go back a sentence or two. Um, truth is the absence of illusion. Illusion, the absence of truth. Both cannot be together, nor perceived in the same place. To dedicate yourself to both is to set up a goal forever impossible to attain, where part of it is sought, is sought through the body, thought of as a means for seeking out reality through attack, while the other part, would lead, would, would heal, and therefore calls upon the mind and not the body. The inevitable compromise is the belief that the body must be healed and not the mind. For this divided goal, for this divided goal has given both an equal reality, which could be possible only if the mind is limited to the body and divided into little parts of seeming wholeness, but without connection. This will not harm the body, but it will keep the delusional thought system in the mind. Seven, here then is healing needed, and it is here that healing is. For God gave healing not apart from sickness, nor established remedy where sickness cannot be. They are together, and when they are seen together, all attempts to keep both truth and illusion in the mind. Let me read that again. They are together, and when they are seen together, all attempts to keep both truth and illusion in the mind where both must be are recognized as dedication to illusion and given up when brought to truth and seen as totally irreconcilable with truth in any respect or in any way. Thank you, Lana. And Micah. Okay. Uh, seven. Here then is healing needed, and it is here that healing is. For God gave healing not apart from sickness, nor established remedy where sickness cannot be. They are together, and 
when they are seen together, all attempts to keep both truth and illusion in the mind where both must be are recognized as dedication to illusion and given up when brought to truth and seen as totally irreconcilable with truth in any respect or in any way. Eight, truth and illusion have no connection. This will remain forever true, however much you seek to connect them. But illusions are always connected, as is truth. Each is united, a complete thought system, but totally disconnected to each other. Where there is no overlap, their separation must be complete. And to perceive this is to recognize where separation is and where it must be healed. The result of an idea... Wait, hold on. Okay, hold on, hold on. The result of an idea is never separate from its source. The idea of separation produced the body and remains connected to it, making it sick because of its identification with it. You think you are protecting the body by hiding this connection, for this concealment seems to keep your identification safe from the quote-unquote attack of truth. Thank you, Micah. And is there a new reader for 8 and 9? This is Sandra. I can read. Thanks, Sandra. Truth and illusion have no connection. This will remain forever true, however much you seek to connect them. But illusions are always connected as is truth but illusions are always connected as is truth each is united a complete thought system but totally disconnected to each other where there is no overlap their separation must be complete and to perceive to perceive this is to recognize where separation is and where it must be healed the result of an idea is never the result of an idea is never separate from its source the idea of separation produced the body and remains connected to it making it sick because of its identification with it you think you are protecting the body by hiding this connection for this concealment seems to keep your identification safe from the attack of the truth. I just want to read that, that whole thing again. The idea of separation produced the body and remains connected to it, making it sick because of its identification with it. You think you are protecting the body by hiding this connection. For this concealment seems to keep your identification safe 
from the attack of truth. If you but understood how much this strange concealment has hurt your mind and how confused your own identification has been because of it, you do not see how great the devastation wrought by your faithlessness. For faithlessness is an attack which seems to be justified by its results. For by withholding faith, you see what is unworthy of it and cannot look beyond the barrier to what is joined with it, with you. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another narrator for 9 and 10? Okay, Lee, back to you. If you but understood, let's see, um, if you but understood how much this strange concealment has hurt your mind and how confused your own identification has become because of it, you do not see how great the devastation wrought by your faithlessness. For faithlessness is an attack which seems to be justified by its results. For by withholding faith, you see what is unworthy of it and cannot look beyond the barrier to what is joined with you. 10. To have faith is to heal. It is the sign that you have accepted the atonement for yourself and would therefore share it. By faith, you offer the gift of freedom from the past, which you received. You do not use anything your brother has done before to condemn him now. You freely choose to overlook his errors, looking past all barriers between yourself and his and seeing them as one. And in that one, you see your faith is fully justified. There is no justification for faithlessness. But faith is always justified. Thank you, Lee. And Lemoyne. To have faith is to heal. It is the sign that you have accepted the atonement for yourself and would therefore share it. By faith, you offer the gift of freedom from the past which you receive. You do not use anything your brother has done before to condemn him now. You freely choose to overlook his errors, looking past all barriers between yourself and his, and seeing them as one. And in that one, you see your faith is fully justified. There is no justification 
Okay, let me say that this way. There is no justification for faithlessness, but faith is always justified. Faith is the opposite of fear, much as much a part of love as fear is of attack. I'll read that again. Faith is the opposite of fear, as much a part of love as fear is of attack. Faith is the acknowledgement of union. It is the gracious acknowledgement of everyone as a son of your most loving Father, loved by him like you, and therefore loved by you as yourself. It is his love that joins you, and for his love you would keep no one separate from yours. Each one appears just as he is perceived in the holy instant, United in your purpose to be released from guilt. You saw the Christ in him, and he was healed because you looked on what makes faith forever justified in everyone. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Robin Marie. Faith is the opposite of fear, and much a part of love as fear is of attack. Faith is the acknowledgement of union. It is the gracious acknowledgement of everyone as a son of your most loving father, loved by him like you, and therefore loved by you as yourself. It is his love that joined you, and for his love you would keep no one separate from yours. Each one appears just as he is perceived in the holy instant, united in your purpose to be released from guilt. You saw the Christ in him, and he was healed because you looked on what makes faith forever justified in everyone. Faith is the gift of God through him whom God has given you. Faithlessness looks upon the Son of God and judges him, unworthy of forgiveness but through the eyes of faith the son of god is seen already forgiven free of all the guilt he laid upon himself faith sees him only now because it looks not to the past to judge him but would see in him only what it would see in you it sees not through the body's eyes nor looks to bodies for its justification it is the messenger of the new perception sent forth to gather witnesses unto its coming and to return their messages to you. Faith is as easily exchanged for knowledge as is the real world, for faith arises from the Holy Spirit's perception and is the sign you share it with him. Faith is a gift you offer to the Son of God through him and wholly acceptable to his Father as to him, and therefore offered you. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Jessica? Well, faith is the gift of God through him whom God has given you. 
faithlessness looks upon the Son of God and judges him unworthy of forgiveness. But through the eyes of faith, the Son of God is seen already forgiven, free of all the guilt he laid upon himself. Faith sees him only now because it looks not to the past to judge him, but would see in him only what it would see in you. It sees not through the body's eyes, nor looks to bodies for its justification. It is the messenger of the new perception sent forth to gather witnesses unto its coming and to return their messages to you. Faith is as easily exchanged for knowledge as is the real world. For faith arises from the Holy Spirit's perception and is the sign you share it with him. Faith is a gift you offer to the Son of God through him and wholly acceptable to his Father as to him and therefore offered you. Your holy relationship with its new purpose offers you faith to give unto each other. Your faithlessness had driven you apart, and so you did not recognize salvation in each other. Yet faith unites you in the holiness you see, not through the body's eyes, but in the sight of him who joined you and whom and in whom you are united. Grace is not given to a body, but to a mind, and the mind that receives it looks instantly beyond the body and sees the holy place where it was healed. There is the altar where the grace was given in which it stands. Do you then offer grace and blessing to each other? For you stand at the same altar where grace was laid for both of you. And be you healed by grace together that you may heal through faith. Thank you, Jessica. And Harrison. 13. Your holy relationship with this new purpose offers you faith to give unto each other. Your faithlessness has driven you apart. And so you did not recognize salvation in each other. Yet faith unites you in the holiness you see, not through the body's eyes, but in the sight of him who joined you and in whom you are united. Grace is not given to a body, but to a mind. And the mind that receives it looks instantly beyond the body and sees the holy place where it was here. 
There is the altar where the grace was given, in which it stands. Do you then offer grace and blessing to each other? You stand at the same altar where grace was laid for both of you. And be you healed by grace together that you may heal through faith. 14. In the holy instant, you stand before the altar God has raised unto himself and both of you. Lay faithlessness aside and come to it together. There will you see the miracle of your relationship as it was made again through faith. And there it is that you will realize that there is nothing faith cannot forgive. No error interferes with his calm sight, which brings the miracle of healing with equal ease to all of them. For what the messengers of love are sent to do, they do. Returning the glad tidings that it was done to you who stand together before the altar from which they were sent forth. Thank you, Harrison. And Lana. Okay. Putin, in the holy instant, you stand before the altar God has raised unto himself and both of you. Lay faithlessness aside and come to it together. There will you see the miracle of your relationship as it was made again through faith. And there it is that you will realize that there is nothing faith cannot forgive. No error interferes with its calm sight, which brings the miracle of healing with equal ease to all of them. For what the messengers of love are sent to do, they do, returning the glad tidings that it was done to you, who stand together before the altar from which they were sent forth. Fifteen. As faithlessness will keep your little kingdoms barren and separate, so will faith help the Holy Spirit prepare the ground for the most holy garden, which he would make of it. For faith brings peace, and so it calls on truth to enter and make lovely what has already been prepared for loveliness. Truth follows faith and peace completing the process of making lovely which they began. Begin. 
for faith is still a learning goal, no longer needed when the lesson has been learned. Yet truth will stay forever. Thank you, Lana. And Micah. Okay. As faithlessness will keep your little kingdom barren and separate, so will faith help the Holy Spirit prepare the ground for the most holy garden which he would make of it. The faith brings peace, and so it calls on truth to enter and make lovely what has already been prepared for loveliness. Truth follows faith and peace, completing the process of making lovely which they begin. For faith is still a learning goal, no longer needed when the lesson been learned, yet truth will stay forever. 16. Let then your dedication be to the eternal, and learn how not to interfere with it and make it slave to time. For what you think you do to the eternal, you do to you, whom God created as his son is slave to nothing, being Lord of all along with his creator. You can enslave a body, but an idea is free, incapable of being kept in prison or limited in any way except by the mind that thought it. For it remains joined to its source, which is its jailer or its liberator, according to which it chooses as its purpose for itself. Thank you, Micah. And Sandra. Let, then, your dedication to be the eternal and learn how not to interfere with it and make it slave to time. For what you think you do to the eternal, you do to you. Whom God created as his son is slave to nothing, being Lord of all along with his creator. You can enslave a body, but an idea is free incapable of being kept in prison or limited in any way except by the mind that thought it. For it remains joined to its source, which is its jailer or its liberator, according to which it chooses as its purpose for itself. Thank you, Sandra. And thank you to everyone who read this morning. And we read ourselves uh, right to the top of the hour um, where we can reflect on today's lesson to solidify our gains. Um, is there anyone who'd like to lead our reflection this morning? Anyone? We need a volunteer. Um, this is Sandra. I can. 
Thank you, my dear. Okay. I don't have my book with me, so I'm just going to go back over the uh, introduction a little bit. Review six. We start our practice in which we carefully review the thoughts the Holy Spirit has bestowed on us in our last 20 lessons. Each contains the whole curriculum if understood. These practice sessions, like our last review, are centered round a central theme with which we start and end each lesson. It is this. I am not a body. I am free, for I am still as God created me. There is but one exception to this lack of structuring. Permit no idle thought to go unchallenged. If you notice one, deny its hold and hasten to assure your mind that this is not what you would have. Then gently let the thought which you denied by giving up ensure and quick exchange for the idea you practice for the day. When you are tempted to hasten, when you are tempted, hasten to proclaim your freedom from temptation as you say, this thought I do not want. I choose instead and then repeat the idea for the day. So the idea for the day is lesson 213. It's a review of lesson 193. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. All things are lessons God would have me learn. A lesson is a miracle which God offers to me in place of thoughts I have made that hurt me. When I learn of him, what I learn of him becomes the way I am set free. And so I choose to learn his lessons and forget my own. All things are lessons God would have me learn. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. Take a minute and reflect on this. I am not a body. I am free. I am still as God created me. All things are lessons 
God would have me learn. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. Amen. Thanks for that, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. That was lovely. It really ties in with that last paragraph um, in the text. You can enslave a body, but an idea... Oops, wait a minute. Let me just make sure I got that right. Yep. Um, You can enslave a body, but an idea is free, incapable of being kept in prison or limited in any way except by the mind that thought it. So it was my mind that thought of separation. For it remains joined to its source, which is its jailer or its liberator. So when I believe that I am separate and I believe that I am a body, uh, then then this then it's my jailer. If I embrace these thoughts and have faith in them, it's my lack of faith in this in this <laughs> in the truths that are being brought to me in in this book where I then become identified with the body and and then when I'm identified with the body it's I become a victim and um, the only way out is to know that all things are opportunities for me to learn the truth of who I am so then this lesson becomes my freedom from the body all things are lessons God would have me learn a lesson is a miracle which God offers to me in place of thoughts I have made that hurt me those thoughts that I have made that hurt me are thoughts of separation and when I think I'm separate I become a victim there's no question in my mind because I, I no longer have the protection of my relationship with my Creator, that oneness, that unity. And when I'm a victim, I'm in jail. There's no freedom in being a victim of the world I see. And furthermore, it's a big lie. Because why is it a lie? Because all things are lessons God would have me learn. I don't have to be a victim. I can just learn the lesson and forgive myself. Forgiveness is such a big part of this. When either I'm not willing to let it go or it's just not time yet. Just forgive myself. I can't push this. I wish I could. I wish I could have it all. And I wish I could have it now. I wish I could be clear of all my lack of forgiveness, but I'm not. And I'll fess up to it right now. And I know that anything that's going on in this body is due to my lack of forgiveness. So I'm very conscious of it. I'm learning my lesson. And I'm grateful that there's a way out. I'm complete. That was just so good, Sandra. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Sandra.
Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Great. Very complete. Thank you. Hi, this is Chris. Um, just really enjoyed what Sandra said in so many ways. Thank you, Sandra. I like I like the uh, parts of the course she shared, and also she was very empowering, self-empowering in her words, very conscious. So I appreciate all that. Um, the one statement that really came to mind is uh, when this occurs, the body becomes used, it, it's used against the purpose to demonstrate the fact that separation has occurred. This morning, I brought the body to the place I serve and earn money, and I'm witnessing the body that I'm in having some kind of an immune response within. And the, the immune response is, is a positive thing, but it's presenting as bodily aches and general malaise. And I'm also observing a dry cough here and there. But my energy level is fantastic. I feel very um, energetic in a loving way. So I went to the place I serve and earn money, and the body tested for COVID-19 positive. And uh, I so appreciate the miraculous... Uh, expression that I'm expressing right now as I speak about the body and I'm not identifying with it as I shared with as I'm sharing this with myself with God and here in this group uh, what I'm with observing watching the body do because I've learned so much to be the observer self that just watches what the body is doing. Um, and it really, when I use words like this, I'm right in alignment with what God wants me to have faith in. And that, those words really assist me in maintaining my freedom within. Um, I love, I love saying this in a, a, a powerful way instead of I am not a body because when I say I am not a body, I, I, I believe I'm listening to I am a body. The, I feel like the mind takes that not away and listens to I'm a body. I say I am spirit, I am free, for I am still within as God created me. It, I'm not changing the version at all. I'm just adjusting it to what feels right for my spirit. So, um, yeah, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thank for the invitation. 
Thank oh, you. Oh, thank you, Chris. Loved it. Thanks, Chris. This is Harris, and um, this is a a very important lesson for me. Um, and there's a lot that uh, I could say about it. Um, but I went back to the full lesson itself and uh, I think it's the last paragraph it says this is the lesson God would have you learn there is a way to look on everything that lets it be to you another step to him and to the salvation of the world. So all that speaks of terror answered thus, I will forgive and this will disappear. To every apprehension every care and every form of suffering repeat these self-same words I will forgive and this will disappear in them you hold the key that opens heaven's gate and brings the love of God the Father down to earth at last to raise it up to heaven. God will take this final step himself. Do not deny the little steps he asks you take to him. Very powerful idea. I will forgive and this will disappear. How does that work? How do I forgive? How do I let go of my attachment to what my experience is in this world? My experience as a man, my experience as uh, a person who has certain sicknesses or illnesses, how do I simply allow all that is anything other than peace, joy, and happiness which are God-given, how do I let anything other than that disappear? And the key, he says here, is forgive. Let it go. Let it not be part of who I think I am. 
I let the body and all the diagnoses relate to the body. So, The, the beauty of the Course is that salvation can be contained in every lesson or even every chapter. So if I get this, if I get the idea that through my forgiveness, all of my trials and tribulations will disappear. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. I really enjoyed that. Oh, that was lovely, Harrison. Thank you. I enjoyed Just it. Just wonderful, too, brother. Thank you. Loved it, Harrison. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good morning, it's Lana. Boy, I love the lesson and I and I really I love the reading today too. It um I have so many notes written on this page I could hardly read it this morning. Um and uh these notes uh show up um, as I'm reading it, you know, thoughts come into my mind, and I really trust that they're Holy Spirit, Jesus, um, because they always give me a deeper understanding of what I'm reading, takes me a little deeper into the truth, and and one of the notes um, refers to um, faith as um, being needed only during that time interval between when I ask for healing or a miracle or forgiveness and when it's accomplished. Because when I ask at that moment, I'm in a face, a state of faithlessness. I'm in a fragmented state that couldn't um, recognize truth if I stumbled over it. <laughs> you know. And um, when healing is accomplished, I have an experience of it. So I have an inner knowing that it's true. So faith gets me um, in time from that place where I ask for healing and, and when I experience it as being accomplished. Um, because in truth, you know, um, in truth, there is no time. So it's accomplished the instant I asked for it. In fact, it was never needed in the first place. That was just a deception of um, the illusion. Um, so it gets me from that place uh, to um, where I realize that it is well, as it unfolds in time and then I have an experience of it. And what is helpful to me, um, has been helpful for me, is... Um, is being grateful for it as the moment I ask for it because in truth it's already accomplished. So I acknowledge that which helps strengthen my faith during that interval 
of experiencing its accomplishment. And I like to say that little prayer of grace that um, I shared before, and we all know, uh, most of us know from being a child of grace before meals, where it says, Bless us, O Lord, for these thy gifts which I'm about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. It acknowledges, um, and it's and it's like um, how Jesus asked, asked us to pray as if it's already been accomplished because in truth it has, you know. And um, when I think of faith, it's connected to so many other ideas that Jesus and truth that Jesus shares with me here in this in this section. It it's based on trust, um, and it's based on patience, you know, patience. And um, and they all are helpful in sustaining the faith for um, the time needed between um, the asking and the receiving, even though they're one in truth um, because of that little idea of time. <laughs> There, there is a waiting, and there, and there's an interesting sentence that um, whoops, oh boy, and I just dropped the book, so I, I probably lost it. There's an, um, no, I didn't. Here we go. And the statement, because the first time I read this, I was a little baffled by it. It says, um, you think you are protecting the body by hiding this connection for this concealment seems to keep your identification safe from the attack of truth. And um, and the sentence before that, just to give it more context, the idea of separation produced the body and remains connected to it, making it sick because of its identification with it. Before healing, before my mind is returned to wholeness, which um, truly is healing and wholeness are one, um, I've made an idol of this body. You know, I think, and I use it as a means of protection from death. I think the body's going to save me in some way. So I've, uh, I've put that above truth. And, and the idea that I'm not a body to the ego is very frightening. And it can um, seem like Truth is an attack. I don't want to open my mind to it because it deprives me of my belief that the body is real and the body is the source of my salvation and my survival. And um, that's a deeply rooted um, belief that we've been conditioned to since birth. <laughs> We're born into a body, and so it seems that's what our identity is. And this is the confusion that, um, that healing will, will negate, and it will be replaced by the truth that I'm a spirit, and, and my mind is the source of whatever shows up in my body. So it's always the mind that needs to um, be healed, and I shared before my friend has um, my friend from Boston has this saying that goes, um, "Heal your mind, and your ass will follow," and that's pretty much how it happens for me, you know. But it, it will show up in time, and and that's where the faith comes in, 
and that's where I that's what I cling to, and I cling to it by my experience of past healings and the validation of the truth that is given me. And um, as I keep my faith strong in truth being true, it will show up to validate that trust and that patience and that faith. So anyhow, I, I love this section because it, it has so many reminders and makes the distinction between faith and faithlessness. And faithlessness, um, for me, is just misdirected faith. I have no, I have faithlessness and truth, but I've put a lot of faith in illusion. So the healing for me, it places my faith where it needs to be and um, dissolves it from where it was that caused me the pain, physical or emotional pain in the first place. So I um, replace faithfulness, faithlessness in truth to faith in truth and, uh, and remove my faith from illusions and place it in um, where healing and wholeness reside and where my healing is accomplished in, in my experience. So thank you for listening. I'm complete. Wonderful, Lana. Oh, thank uh, you, that dear. That was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. That was really great. Oh, thank Good you, Lana. Thanks, nice Lana. It's Lee. Um, Lee, with a quick thought about the lesson and um, and the and the idea that all things are lessons God would have me learn. The question arises: What is a lesson? If all things are lessons God would have me learn, what is His definition of a lesson? And in this recap of 193, as it appears in Lesson 213, we have His definition of a lesson. A lesson is a miracle which God offers me in place of thoughts I made. How about that? That's so simple, right? A lesson is a miracle God offers me in place of thoughts I made that hurt me. What I learn of him becomes the way I'm set free. And so I choose to learn his lessons and forget my own. All things are lessons God would have me learn. All things are opportunities then for his correction to replace all my errors of thought and belief that hurt me. That's marvelous. That's the Course in Miracles in a nutshell, is it not? I, um, I, really, uh, I really enjoy how simple some of these recaps are in uh, going right to the kernel of a lesson I'm excited about the opening of this new chapter, Beyond the Body, because it starts with this idea of faith and faithlessness. And my takeaway from what he wants to teach me about faithlessness is that I can begin to sense in any situation with another where I feel agitated or judgmental, having been um, sensitized to the difference between according you faith 
or instead according you faithlessness. I can feel the difference. And this section is trying to persuade me that my faithlessness is never justified. It's never justifiable. It's the ego in me that says my faithlessness in you is well justified. But if I'm going to insist that's true, then at this point in the text, I have to recognize I stand opposed to the author of this work who would have me understand my deliverance comes with beginning to just throw my arms open and begin to make my peace with the idea that all of my brothers are entitled to a faith that would allow my heart be healed of every guilt or condemnation I would instead lay at his feet. And it has to be complete. Otherwise, I'm holding out part of the ego's condemnation and saying, well, I and the world are better served by keeping this condemnation of this brother in place. I'm unwilling to set him free of my condemnation. And thus am I completely, as it works out, I'm unwilling to have faith release both of us, him and me, from the prison of my faithlessness that I've elected to use instead. His big emphatic plea to me is, use not your faithlessness now. Use not your faithlessness. Call upon everything, Lee, you've learned by this chapter, by this uh, term in the course of your study. Use everything you've learned to help you move past this latest temptation to misperceive and hold a brother guilty to your um, imprisonment and you with him. Um, Profound. And he says, this faith is my entree to peace and that faith and peace are going to always precede truth and that truth flies from me where my faith is restrained. It flies from my awareness. I can't have the awareness of the truth if I insist on justifying my faithlessness and my condemnation. If it's mind-boggling, if it seems to present the mind with challenges that go, well, how reasonable is this? How can I have faith in a pickpocket? Um, how can I have, you know, how can I assign faith? It's, it's for Holy Spirit to work all that part out. It's for Holy Spirit to provide me with the practical consequence of protecting my heart from the justifications my heart has been given by the ego for withholding my love. It's for Holy Spirit to work out the practicality of what it is that my heart not withhold love 
from anyone because of some justification the ego has laid out there. Faith or faithlessness, truth or illusion. Truth is the absence of illusions. Illusions, the absence of truth. Isn't that wonderful? It's so clean. It's just so clean. My mind is capable of the absence of illusions. If I allow Holy Spirit, introduce me to everything God has given Holy Spirit to offer me by way of the correction for, uh, for my mistaken beliefs and feelings and my justification for withholding um, from everyone and everything the innocence that is its due, replacing instead some justification for my condemnation. Truth abides in this moment with its arms open to me and says, come to me. And I'm going, yeah, well, I, I really value this faithlessness that keeps you from my sight. I'm not ready for you just yet. I'm still lingering here with, with a fear of being without my condemnation. I'm, I'm lingering here still uh, in a fear of love and what love would ask of me. Um, and truth says, well, that's all right. I'm right here. Whenever you're ready, I and God wait uh, to welcome you uh, to all that you are and sight of all that everything is. Boy, there had been some um, sentences. This is, you know, 16 paragraphs of bliss here. Um, Can I feature this sentence in the middle of, or at the end of paragraph nine? Faithlessness works out to be this kind of a self-perpetuating notion because it, it's, he says, faithlessness is an attack which seems to be justified by its results. How is that true? It's because by withholding faith, I will see what is unworthy of faith. Do you guys get how clean that is? That's by withholding faith, all I see is what had justified my faithlessness. By withholding faith, all I see is what is unworthy of faith. That's why Holy Spirit has to be called upon to clean, clean up this process, this whole, this whole matter and uh, begin to break through my resistance to allowing things be seen and others be seen as they are in that radiant innocence that's always true. The absence of justification for my condemnation. At the end of 10, there's no justification for faithlessness. But faith is always justified. How willing am I? to really begin working with that idea and asking an inquiry, where would faith take me in every situation? How can it be true that um, every situation is an opportunity for the Son of God to be healed? Mm. 
he conjures the holy instant again when he says, when I really welcome faith and truth and peace, each one will appear. This is in 11, just as he is perceived in the holy instant, united in your purpose to be released from guilt. Dear Father, may I be released forever from guilt. He says, you saw the Christ in him and he was healed because you looked on what makes faith forever justified in everyone. Okay, I've gone on long enough. Um, Hope there's still plenty of time for you, Lori, and um, others that want to share this morning. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you, Lay. That was great. I loved it. Just beautiful. Thank Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Thank you so much, Lee. That was Very great. important points you presented, Lee. Thanks, Lee. This, this is Wendy. Wendy. Oh, go ahead, Wendy. Teach <laughs> um, One of the ways I think about how somebody shows up in my life with uh, qualities that I don't admire um, and that I find difficult or challenging or critical of or judgmental of, um, if I reel it in and go, oh, I see, I, I make something special, like, um, let's see, I, I've used this example before, being very gracious to people. And that's like something I consider one of my superpowers, you know. But it is a way that I make myself special. And I don't want to be ungracious. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be the person that other people go, oh, God, I know, look at how she's behaving. And, but in the ego thought system, that idea is attached to graciousness. It's just the way things divide and separate. But they're still attached. So somehow or another, as I reinforce my graciousness, rude people keep showing up. (laughs) So in order to move beyond that state of consciousness where I'm projecting out qualities I don't want to have because of qualities I think I'm special in, I try to remember the wholeness, my wholeness, everybody else's wholeness. We're all whole, holy of God. And I don't see that because I'm still in the wrong thought system. Once I change my mind and go, oh, I'm just thinking with an ego mind that separates everything, I'm, I'm gracious and that can be a complete quality and it, can be, it, and it can be mirrored in everybody I see. I don't hold myself as somebody that owns graciousness. I recognize that that's a quality of God and it is available everywhere. So that's kind of how I think about it. When I shift out of um, separating out qualities and and pushing some away from me so I won't appear that way to myself or the world, I can then step back into a holy thought system where everybody is already realized divinity. I'm complete. Thanks, Wendy. Thank you, Wendy. Yes. Thank yeah, you, Wendy. Wendy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This will be quick. This is Sandra. Um, and I just wanted to read this because I was inspired to read it 
as I'm getting a a, a broader um, experience of faith. I am God's child, complete and healed and whole, shining in the reflection of her love. In me is his creation sanctified and guaranteed eternal life. In me is love perfected, fear impossible, and joy established without opposite. I am the holy home of God herself. I am the heaven where her love resides. I am her holy sinlessness itself, for in my purity abides his own. Now, do I have faith in that? That's the question I ask myself. (laughs) Do I have faith that that's true about me? Do I have faith that that's true about you? I'm complete. Oh, thanks for that, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. That's a lovely passage. Thank you, Sandra. That prayer. I'm really glad you read that. Thank you, Sandra. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori, and boy, I've sure loved everything I've heard here this morning. And um, mostly, you know, I, I wanted to focus on that one paragraph, paragraph five. It's just such a standout paragraph about the difference in the two thought systems. If I look at what he tells us about faith as the thought system of the truth, it makes perfect sense. Faith makes whole, unites, sees no barriers, is dedicated to truth, and therefore there are no illusions. Whereas faithlessness perfectly describes the thought system of the ego sees limitations, attacks, sees separateness, barriers, absence of truth, which is illusion. And then, right before that, paragraph four, is that where he talks about universal purpose? I can't remember where universal purpose is. But what I wanted to say about universal purpose is that's a way to look at um, the thought system of truth. The Holy Spirit has a universal purpose that he'd like to restore me to. That universal purpose being dedication to truth, wholeness, holiness. The total absence of illusion That's universal purpose. And what I can say about purpose, (laughs) universal purpose, is um, purpose unifies. It always does. If you think about um, anything you've ever endeavored to do, 
anything I've ever endeavored to do in my life. When I have a clear goal in mind, a purpose um, that stands out from everything else, and when I place my mind in dedication to that purpose, everything falls into place in order to accomplish that goal. In the same way, Holy Spirit Universal Purpose asks me to align my mind with truth and gives me the gift of faith. It's not something I manufacture on my own. I couldn't do that. And, you know, I, for a long time I said, and I still believe it's true, I, this person I think I am, cannot forgive. But with the gift of faith, with the gift of universal purpose, I align my mind with Holy Spirit. And the truth comes to me because I've dedicated my mind to that purpose. The illusion of body uh, is very confusing, you know, because when I'm seeing bodies, what's going on in my mind is I stand over here and the body stands over there. And all I'm left with for a tool to try and figure out what's going on is judgment. And what does, what does that do? I mean, judgment is a tool of the ego. It maintains uh, a position over here and you have a position over there and I'm in the position, my frame of reference is all screwed up, and I'm in the position of being the judge of your behavior. I can't see anything like that. I can't truly see anything like that. I can't see with the eyes of my heart. I can't see what Holy Spirit would have me see. My mind has fallen out of universal purpose from that position. Universal purpose says there's only just this one mind here of which we are both perfect reflections. You're part of me, I'm part of you. We are dedicated to the same universal purpose. I think of, um, I think of one thing that just really put me over the, the hump of this problem. Um, I was sitting with Kathy one day and, and I was pleading with her to see something from my perspective. And I was telling her all the reasons why it would be good for her to perceive things from this perspective I wanted her to see. What was I really doing but seeing a barrier between us where she was over there and I was here? And she said to me in that moment, after I was all done, she said, the most precious thing I've ever heard from anyone she said, trust me. And in that moment, <laughs> in that moment, I knew without a doubt this was Christ's mind pleading that I trust him. And if I can you, align my mind with universal purpose, there's no guilt here anywhere. There's no seeing of behaviors. There's no judging of this or that. There's just the knowledge that this being is part of me 
and is saying to me, let's let's join in this. Let's let's join in this universal purpose. Let's align our minds with truth. That's what this being is saying to me. That's what this situation is saying to me. That's what everything is really pleading with me for. Let's have faith in truth. Let's just have faith in truth. And it it works exactly like the lesson says. Forgive and this will disappear. It's the reason why forgiveness and miracles always go together. They always go together. When I can, and here's an important thing, when I can, as you said, Wendy, reel it in. When I can reel it in, what am I really doing but withdrawing, taking back the projection that I laid upon this when I saw it as an ego. I dial it back in. I reel it back in. I withdraw my own assessment of the situation. Universal Purpose says there's one judge of what's the truth. And when I align my mind with that one purpose, the truth of unity will be given me. And that's a miracle. <laughs> that's, that's just a flat-out miracle. Um, it never fails when I withdraw my illusion, when I withdraw my projection, when I withdraw the darkness I had laid upon this using my own separate judgment. A miracle of unity, of oneness, of truth, of love will be given me. Every Everything in the universe pleads with me. Trust me. That's universal purpose. Why would I not give that when it's given me? If I withhold what I'm unwilling to give, I cannot accept the truth of me. The truth of me is the same as the truth of you. It's the same as the truth of everything in the universe. If I'm unwilling to give you truth, I will not have truth myself. That's how I know these two thought systems are entirely separate. There is no overlap at all. I can't withhold what I'm what I'm unwilling uh, to have myself. If I withhold it from you, it won't be mine. That's why the atonement is a lesson in sharing. Forgiveness and miracles always go together. I think I'm complete. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. That was gorgeous, Lori. Thank you. So nice. Thank you, Lori. I love your shares, Lori. Uh, They're just so... They just touch my heart so deeply. Thank you. Thanks, Lori. My word exactly, Lori. That was just gorgeous. Thank you. Oh, you guys are so great. Um, I look to um, chapter 14 where he describes guilt and guiltlessness. 
um, for closing this morning. And the reason I look there is because um, dedication to faith to me is the same thing as protecting innocence. And so when I search for that, this is what I found. The inheritance of the kingdom is the right of God's Son given him in his creation. Do not try to steal it from him or you will ask for guilt and will experience it. Protect his purity from every thought that would steal it away and keep it from his sight. Universal purpose brings innocence to light in answer to the call of the atonement. Never allow purity to remain hidden, but shine away the heavy veils of guilt within which the Son of God has hidden himself from his own sight. We are all joined in the atonement here, and nothing else can unite us in this world. So will the world of separation slip away, and full communication be restored between the Father and the Son. The miracle acknowledges the guiltlessness which must have been denied to produce the need of healing. Do not withhold this glad acknowledgement for hope of happiness and release from suffering of every kind lie in it. Who is there that wishes to be free of pain? He may not have learned how to exchange his guilt for innocence, nor realize that only in this exchange can freedom from pain be his. Yet those who fail to learn need teaching, not attack. To attack those who have need of teaching is to fail to learn from them. Teachers of innocence, each in his own way, have joined together, taking their part in the unified curriculum of the atonement. There is no unity of learning goals apart from this. Join your own efforts to the power that cannot fail and must result in peace. No one can be untouched by teaching such as this. You will not see yourself beyond the power of God if you teach only this. Peace then be unto everyone who becomes a teacher of peace. For peace is the acknowledgement of perfect purity from which no one is excluded. Blessed are you who teach with me. Our power comes not of us, but of our Father. In guiltlessness we know him as he knows us guiltless. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Thank you all. Thank you for a beautiful call. Amen. Thank you, Lori. That's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you again, Lori. Thanks, Lori. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank you, everyone. What a delicious call this was. Thank you. <laughs> yes, it 